0: Everybody, welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness, we are in for a treat today because, oh my goodness, Monday, 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 the day of Monday, January 9th was a freaking ridiculous day. And as we have left January 9th, the crazier and crazier things have seemed to get in the world of sports and mainly. In the world of the NFL and college football. But before we get into anything on today's show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Search it on the Facebook page of Logan Blackman Show. Make sure to give it a thumbs up on Facebook. YouTube channel, search Logan Blackman Show. Hit subscribe. Maybe you want to go into, you know, like the watch a few videos like a few videos yeah don't matter to me can't dislike them. <laughs> well he can but I, it don't matter to me no more and then since you're listening to it right now make sure you're following logan blavich on apple podcast and spotify whether it's subscribe follow whatever and if you're on apple podcast make sure you give us a rating out of five stars i would greatly appreciate i'm not saying you have to give us five stars or anything but if you do or if you don't make sure to leave a description down below as well for why you thought the way you did when you made the original rating. Now, I want to go over all the details that when it took place on Monday, and we kind of talked about them to a certain extent, I think on Friday's show. Because Monday is a very famous day in the world of the NFL. A very, very famous day. And not for any good reasons. No, it's not it's not a day that's looked fondly upon by people, maybe some people. Maybe you're sitting there as a fan and you're like, oh, my team stinks. We need a change of direction. We need some new leadership in. Maybe this is where you're looking at it in a positive light. But in general, this is not seen as a very good day, okay? Black Monday is a day where every coach that is on the hot seat or is seemingly on the hot seat gets canned, gets fired, gets obliterated, gets shot out of a cannon. Whatever whatever way you want to do it, coach lost a job head coach in the NFL has lost a job. And there were some not very surprising ones on the – like when you when, – there's not there, – like when you looked at Twitter, and I'm sure – or just social media in general, I'm sure a lot of you saw Black Monday stuff going on on Twitter with all these coaches, GMs even, getting fired. We saw the Vikings GM get fired, Chris Spielman. We saw Ryan Day get fired for the Bears, two organizations that are perfectly fine with them firing their GMs. And then we had the Giants one, Dave Gettleman's retiring, but it was ultimately he was going to get fired anyways. But we had some interesting ones, let's put it that way. So we had the the normal ones, like Vic Fangio, I thought would be the biggest surprise of the day. I thought Vic Fangio getting fired would be kind of a surprise, but not really. I was like, they it justifies them firing him, because they never had the quarterback position, right? George Payton didn't hire him. George Payton, the new GM of the Denver Broncos, got hired last offseason. And Vic Fangio weren't good. The defense was fine, but the offense was underachieving. And when the defense that good and the piece that you have on that roster... You should be better than seven and ten. He had a compiled record of nineteen and thirty in his time in Denver. And then we had other ones like Matt Nagy getting fired. We had Mike Zimmer get fired. Not too surprising. I mean, everybody was kind of expecting those two to lose their jobs. But the one that I saw first, and I think it was first, because the 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 weirdness around the whole situation, I think you know exactly where I'm going with this. It's former now former. Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores getting canned. Now on one hand, it's surprising. So there's there's two hands to this situation. One hand, it's surprising because Brian Flores is a damn good football coach. I did not like the fact that the Miami Dolphins got Brian Flores. I was under the impression that the Dolphins got themselves a good head coach. Which is the first time I've been able to say that pretty much my entire life. Is that the Miami Dolphins have a good coach and a good foundation. This is not fun. The Jets were the Jets at the time when Brian Flores was hired. Adam Gates was still the head coach there and soon to be Greg Williams. But I was scared of Brian Flores. I was like, this is the first Bill Belichick disciple, or whatever you want to call it, to succeed in the NFL. I thought it was guaranteed to happen. And it still might. It still might. So that was the weird part. The Dolphins, if you told me halfway through the season, like the Dolphins are 1-7, in the defense is ranking last in almost every single statistical category, he's going to get fired at the end of the season. And then they rattled off an insane amount of wins going 7-0 and then finishing the season on an 8-1 run, finishing above five hundred, which is something not a lot of Dolphins coaches have been able to say throughout my lifetime. Another thing that a lot of Dolphins coaches have been able to say is that they swept the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick has been swept by the Miami Dolphins one time in his career, and that was his first year at the Patriots. It doesn't happen. It's not something that's like, oh, this is that's just a normal thing to happen. No, 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 no. Bill Belichick does not get swept by damn near anybody in the AFC East, let alone the Dolphins. And the Dolphins have, you know, they've been kind of their kryptonite over the past few years. I mean, Brian Flores is 4-2 and two against the New England Patriots. But then you dig a little deeper and go outside of the coaching, maybe some in the coaching, I guess, but not results. Don't look at it as a results thing. Two people in the Dolphins organization – we were not massive fans of Brian Flores, and Brian Flores were not massive fans of theirs either. And that's GM Chris Greer and quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, Two people that have been historically not liked by Brian Flores, and Brian Flores being historically not liked by either one of those two. And Tua and Chris Greer won't say, especially not Tua. I don't know if Tua's ever said a bad thing in his life. But they don't like each other. It was well documented before the 2018 or 2020 NFL draft that Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert, the Miami Dolphins, the Chargers quarterback, the quarterback from Oregon, who went one pick later. But the ownership and Chris Greer set a course for Tank for Tua the season prior, and it was happening whether Brian Flores was on board or not. So then it got into the situation of Brian Flores coaching a quarterback that he didn't want, which happens numerous times throughout the history of the NFL happens all the time like just a prime example because he was on the broadcast last night for the national championship game RG3 going to Washington Shanahan didn't want RG3 and that's why they went out and drafted Kirk Cousins later in the draft you don't draft a quarterback second overall and then proceed to draft another quarterback midway through the draft that doesn't happen unless the coach doesn't like the quarterback that they took the GM liked it the owner liked him but uh, Shanahan's the one that has to deal with him, so they, had, they went out and drafted another quarterback. And that was ultimately to the detriment of RG3, because when you're playing under a coach that doesn't want you there, he's not going to give you all the opportunities there, which is exactly what we saw down in Miami, with Tua getting yanked and Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in as the quote-unquote closer of the Miami Dolphins. Now you'd see the Dolphins doing all right, or they're winning the game, and then all of a sudden it starts to slip away a little bit. They're not losing, but it's starting to slip away. Well, here comes Ryan Fitzpatrick. The move to start Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first place, I would be willing to bet almost anything, that move to start Ryan Fitzpatrick at the time they did was not Brian Floor's decision. That was all Chris Greer and Steven Ross, I think is the owner's name. Those were the only two that made that call. And the Pellers weren't happy about it. There was reports all offseason last year of the Dolphins player's not liking Tua. Brian Flores not thinking Tua was ready enough at all. And it makes matters worse when you see the other quarterback that you wanted break every single significant rookie passing record apart from interceptions and wins Rookie of the Year. And the Chargers have one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL who's now starting the Pro Bowl this year. Now, both the Chargers and the Dolphins finished 9-8 and eight this season. And when Brian Flores inherited the Miami Dolphins... They were not supposed to be anything. They went on to win four or five games this first year and completely destroyed the whole tank for two thing. And they started off terrible. They got obliterated by the Ravens and they got obliterated by the Patriots when they had Antonio Brown. They did not start off very well, and then they kept they started rattling off some wins. It's like wow, the team that traded away every significant piece, every single part of their team that said we're. Gonna compete this year, and somehow they're still winning games. No one knew how it was possible. The Miami Dolphins were seen to have something of what you would call an immortal tank to where it was almost impossible to fail at the tank. It was like if this doesn't happen, some divine intervention took place. Like, there's no way this team can win more than one game this year. And they rattled off four or five and ended up with the fifth overall draft pick. Now, with Tua's hip injury that allowed them to still get the guy they wanted first overall if they had that pick. But it made matters a little bit more interesting if the Dolphins did have the first pick and had the option to pick between Tua, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Because all numbers and everything normal in life said Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick in the draft. Apart from Richard Sherman somehow, because remember a few years ago last year he said, I was shocked when Justin Herbert didn't go first overall. He might be the only person that ever said that. <laughs> I don't think anybody going to the 2020 NFL draft said that Justin Herbert was going to get drafted overall. Freaking, um, oh crap, what's his name? Joel Klatt said Justin Herbert's not even worth a first round draft pick. <laughs> We're talking about, I thought he was shocked he was a first, round. not first. I mean, we did just see Joe Burrow break every single college passing record and win the Heisman with the widest margin of victory in a Heisman history, putting forth the first number one overall seed, to win the college football playoff, yeah, I, I'm I'm shocked Justin Herbert didn't get first overall, especially after they lost to Arizona State. Yeah, I was shocked about that. Oh man, but it would have been crazy because they had the whole thing of tank for Tua. Do you throw away the principles of tank for Tua if you if Joe Burrow's there? Because obviously Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon. When you looked at him as just the prospect and look at him not as the player he is now, I mean, he was in there at Oregon, but you saw a mobile quarterback that had a really strong arm that was big, but had some questionable or inconsistencies throwing the football. Tua, good arm, very accurate, decently mobile. You see the numbers he's putting up at Alabama with probably the greatest receiving core of all time of Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. Won a national championship. He's a Heisman finalist. You got to take Tua. And I'll never forget the ESPN graphic. And we talked about this a few times on the show. Of Now, Tua has, is everything about Tua is worse than Herbert. The only thing that Tua had over Herbert was it factor. Like anybody actually knows what that is. That's just saying we wanted to give Tua something. So we made up a whole other category to go, hey, yeah. Justin Herbert may have a stronger arm, more athletic, bigger. But Tua's got it factor, (laughs) and Brian Flores didn't want him. But when you draft a guy, you have to deal with it. So I don't think this was about a coaching or results thing. This is Brian Flores, the GM, and Tua did not get along. And with Chris Greer, who has been at the Dolphins organization since 2000, it was easier for Ross to go, we're going to fire the head coach who's been here for three years. And on face value, it's a terrible fire because I think Brian Flores, given a little more time and given players that he actually wanted, would be, the Dolphins would be one of the better teams in the NFL. They went 9-8 this year and they started 1-7. That is a testament to everything Brian Flores did down there. And as a fan of the Buffalo Bills and as a fan of of not seeing the Dolphins do good, I am perfectly A-OK with the Miami Dolphins firing Brian Flores. Now, the issue... That I have with Brian Flores. Now we're talking about just from the Buffalo Bills AFC East side of things. Because Brian Flores leaving. Or getting fired. One hand very stupid. On the other hand I'm cool with it. <laughs> but the number one coaching candidate in my eyes is Brian Dable. Bill's office coordinator. I don't know if you remember this. but on Well I, I would be shocked if you didn't remember this. If you don't remember this far back you probably need to go get some help. But we talked about coaching candidates and coaching firees and coaching hires. I think on Friday, because Black Monday was coming up. We had to do somewhat of a short preview of Black Monday because it's a very big event. Black Monday is not something that comes around and it's looked at very fondly. It's a very scary time for these people. And I didn't have Brian Dable going anywhere because if you looked at the landscape of the NFL, at the time there seemed like there was five openings, or possible five openings, four realistically. And we had the Broncos, we had the Vikings Bears, and the Jaguars. Those were the four. And then we threw the Raiders in there, but we threw Rich Bisaccia back at the Raiders because he definitely deserves a shot. But Brian Dable wasn't in there. Brian Dable has links with the Miami Dolphins organization. Brian Dable is the offensive coordinator of the Dolphins in 2011. And the other thing that really startles me a little bit about this possibly happening is the fact that Tua Tagovailoa is the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know if any of you remember this. Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator at Alabama – while Tua was down there. If you want a coach to get behind your starting quarterback, get someone that's worked with him in the past and has nothing but good things to say about him, i.e. a guy that was his offensive coordinator down at Alabama. And Brian Dable has done awesome with the Buffalo Bills. They have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah, the number one or two offensive league last year with an MVP quarterback, and they have the top five offensive league right now. Started off a little rough, But it started to get a lot better offensively for the the play calling and all that. But I think he's gone. I didn't think, looking at the openings that we had, that that he was going to leave. But there's a few good links there that say, yeah, Brian Dable is going to be the Miami Dolphins head coach next year. And it's gotten to the point now, as I sit here, that I would be actually more surprised if Brian or if Brian Dable wasn't the offensive coordinator or that, Chiefs, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, than if he wasn't. I'd be pretty shocked about that. Which is crazy. I hate it. I hate it. It hurts me inside. But he's worked with the Dolphins organization before, and he's coached two in college. The one thing Brian Flores and Chris Greer couldn't see eye to eye on is that two was the starting quarterback. Brian Dable will be behind too, or at least you hope he would. He's had nothing bad to say about two up until this point of his career. But man, that sucks because with the openings that were available, I was like, oh, he's going to stay. Brian Dable's going to stay as the office coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Now with this Dolphins job opening up, uh, he's as good as gone, at least in my eyes. I don't really see a reality where he stays. Now the owner is a Michigan guy. Jim Harbaugh has said that, or reports have said, that he's opening to moving, he's open to moving back in the NFL. He's opened up his uh, availability, I guess. But no, uh, I'm sad. It hurts, and it might not happen. There is a reality. There's a chance, though. I think it's very small that this does not happen. I think Brian Dable is going to be the, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I think it's happening, and I'm sitting here on January 11th, and I think it will be announced probably in March. I don't know when head coaches can officially get hired, but he'll be the one of the first coaches hired this offseason. I'd be kind of surprised if he's not. If if he's not, that, that's awesome. I don't want him to go to Miami Dolphins. I hate the Miami Dolphins. They're one of my least favorite teams in the entire NFL. I mean, they're in the AFC East. I don't want anything to do with the Miami Dolphins. I never want to see this team do good. They pissed me off. Brian Flores, to his credit, had lost every game to the Bills except for once. And that was the first time they played Josh Allen. So... I liked Brian Flores for that. (laughs) It was what, six and one? The Bills were six and one against Brian Flores or something like that. Or five and one. I don't remember the exact. They've lost lost only once to Brian Flores since Josh Allen's been the quarterback. Uh, Brian Dable's gone. And then the other head coaching job that I I guess is not really that surprising in the grand scheme of things. I'm kind of just surprised because I I really shouldn't be surprised about this. (laughs) And it happened today. It happened on January 11th. It didn't even happen on Black Monday. But it's Joe Judge getting fired. Now, if you watched any semblance of the New York Giants football team towards the latter parts of this season, oh, my God, it was atrocious. It's one of some of the worst football you'll ever watch in your entire life. And I was someone that didn't have, like, amazing expectations for the New York Giants this year. I was under the mindset that they would be at least somewhat better than what they were last year. Now, I know not having your starting quarterback and being forced to play either Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm handicaps you a little bit but not to the point where you're doing a quarterback sneak on third and nine your own five-yard line. That's not great. That was basically saying, yeah, we're done. We're done here. I don't want to be here anymore. Let's leave. And I remember when he got hired, that was kind of one of the surprise hires anyways. At least that's how I'm remembering it. I could be completely wrong. I might be remembering it wrong. But, yeah, he's gone. Joe Judge is now no longer the head coach of the New York Giants. Had a nice, what, 10 and, did they have the record on here? They do not. It's like 10 and 26 record as the head coach of the New York Giants. Not great. Not a great record whatsoever. It's pretty, pretty bad, actually. But yeah, they fired their third coach in the past six years. And they're hiring a GM. And from what it sounded like, the players didn't want Joe Judge there. And the new GM wouldn't have wanted them either. So they fired him. And they said, oh, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. And then as we got closer to today, more and more it sounded like, yeah, this ain't happening, this ain't happening. It's kind of like when Antonio Brown got traded the Bills. Like, it's happening. He's coming. He's coming to Buffalo. And then about an hour later, I know he's not. That was kind of the same situation that happened to Joe Judge and the New York Giants. (laughs) So now that we know for a fact, at least at this point in time, because I think we could see one more at least before the season ends, like the postseason because there's a new candidate out there that I don't think a lot of people expected there to be in the form of Brian Flores. So I think we'll see one more. I think we'll see one more firing. And if I'm going to do, since we know what's happening now, because I tried to do somewhat of a preview to Black Monday and give somewhat of a prediction video for it, or prediction show for it, but now, since we know it's fired, I'm going to make a, this is my first ever officially official official predictions For the new head coaches in the NFL, there is what seven openings, eight openings if you count since the Raiders' head coach is technically an interim head coach at this point in time, and Rich Basachi is not the officially official head coach of the Raiders. But I think that will be set in stone after. I mean, the dude, if you did, if you didn't see this, I'm sorry to break it to you, but the the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Chargers on Monday or on Sunday night. They had a chance to tie (laughs) in the. Chargers called timeout and the Raiders proceed to get a first down, kick for game-winning field goal and won 34-32. And there were some people in, I, in my fantasy group telling me timeout was rigged. I don't think you could rig that game at all. <laughs> that game was so ridiculous. And thankfully, I got done with the show at the point where the Chargers were starting to come back, <laughs> so it was kind of getting more exciting to watch. You couldn't script that if you tried. There's no way you could script that. And <laughs> I think Rich Bisaccia, with all the distraction the Raiders have had this year. To go 10-7 and and finish as the 5 seed in the AFC? i will give you a round of applause for that, sir. We'll give you a round of applause for that. And especially because of the fact to beat the Chargers. So now the Bills had to play the Patriots and don't need to play the Chargers. Don't need to face Justin Herbert. Now again, like I said on Monday, this could come back to bite me in the ass. I could be completely wrong about this, but I would much rather face the Patriots than the Chargers. And I know one of them's in the playoffs, the other one's not. And I know the, the Patriots beat the Chargers earlier this year. But I'd rather, I, I'm, I fear Justin Herbert a whole hell of a lot more than Mac Jones. And that's just mostly because of the fact Mac Jones is a rookie. Justin Herbert's not. But even last year, I would have feared Justin Herbert more than this year's version of Mac Jones because Justin Herbert last year was insane and the dude still is insane. But yeah, Rich Basachis, the first, the Raiders are the first team in NFL history, from what it sounded like. Could be getting this a little bit wrong. The Raiders are the first team in NFL history to be the first team to make a midseason coaching change and still make the playoffs. That is a testament to Rich Passaccia, and that dude deserves at least one year to say, this is my job. He deserves at least one. Like, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. If it doesn't end up working out, fine. Make the move for someone else. But I think Rich Bisaccia has deserved this opportunity to be the, lo- the fir- at least for another year coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm not going to make a move there. But I do think there's seven other openings. The other one's the Houston Texans. I didn't think, really, that David Coley would get fired, and I think it was mostly because of the fact he inherited a terrible, terrible, terrible situation and took a job that no one else wanted and just got the job based off that. Got the job because Brian Dable didn't want it, Eric Bieniemy didn't want it, Kellen Moore didn't want it, Byron Leftwich didn't want it, Matt Eberfliss didn't want it, all these Josh McDaniels didn't want it, Like all these coaching candidates that were out there last year just said, nope. I'm not taking that. The whole team's a freaking mess. No one knows what the Sean Watson situation is, and the fact the Texans won four games this year is kind of ridiculous. Like, this team reeks, and somehow they managed to win four games. Now, granted, two of those were against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, <laughs> that, that's all fine and dandy, but they still won two other games. I can't remember exactly who the two other teams were. Was one of the, uh, they didn't, did they beat the Dolphins? No, the Jaguars beat the Dolphins. Who did the Texans beat? I'm blanking right now. Did they beat the Colts at one point? I don't think so, but I don't know. They almost beat the Titans. Did they lose to the Titans. I think they banned to beat the Titans. They almost beat the Patriots. Right after they got beat by 40 to the Bills. But I think with Brian Flores being available, and the thing that wanted just made Deshaun Watson want to go to Miami was Brian Flores. I think if you're trying to rectify that relationship with Sean Watson, the only person that could save that is Brian Flores. So I think that's a case that could be made there. And the front office for the Houston Texans was from New England. The GM is from New England. Brian Flores is also from New England. I think it makes sense. You get to keep your franchise quarterback to Sean Watson if all the stuff off the field doesn't affect it. But Brian Brian Flores is now available. (laughs) You have connections. Deshaun Watson's there. Get Deshaun Watson back. Get him on the right foot. Get him a head coach he likes. And I think you could maybe rectify that relationship to a certain extent. If not the Texans, I mean, Brian Flores is not going to be a a non-head coach for a a long period of time. He'll get a head coaching job this offseason. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. But Houston, if they fire David Coley, which I really think they will because it sounds like they're having talks about it because they're saying the communication on the sidelines is terrible. So if David Coley does go, fully expect Brian Flores to be the guy that eventually replaces him, and hopefully for their sake that fixes or at least puts a Band-Aid over the Deshaun Watson situation for now. And we're moving on to Jacksonville, keeping in the division. I still think Byron Leftwich should be the guy that gets hired there. I think that should be one of the easiest hires made this offseason. He's a former quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, high draft pick, offensive-minded coach, Worked under one of the best offensive minds in NFL history in Bruce Arians, who has been with every fam- very every legendary quarterback you could possibly think of. Bruce Arians has had something to do with their careers. And Byron Leftwich, being that draft pick from the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence has been a high draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. I think he'd be able to relate to Trevor Lawrence and being that quarterback guru that you would expect him to be. That's what you want. Now, I did see something today that their GM thinks Bill O'Brien's the favorite. Please don't hire Bill O'Brien. Now, I personally, I don't really like the Jaguars. I've made my my feelings about the Jacksonville Jaguars very clear over the years. But even then, I don't want them to hire Bill O'Brien. Come on. I saw Matt Miller on Twitter. You know, the former uh, Bleacher Report draft guy. He was defending Bill O'Brien. No, I... I can't. Destroyed the locker room. I, I don't care about the GM side of things. So I know that's where he was way worse. But... No, don't do that. Just get Byron Leftwich in there. Get Byron Leftwich back. I think Bill O'Brien will go to, like, back to the Patriots or go to, like, I saw some linking him to Carolina. Maybe he'll go up to the Giants. I don't know, because the Giants have an opening. But don't go, don't get, you need, get a guy like Byron Leftwich in there. I think that'd be awesome for them. And if you want culture change, get Jim Caldwell. I think that'd be a very good hire, too. Miami, you already talked about, I think is Brian Dable. I hate it but I think it's Brian Dable. I mean, he's worked with Tua in the past. He's worked with the Dolphins organization before. I think everything lines up to Brian Dable being the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Vegas, I've already said, Rich Passaccia. Denver, sounds like Dan Quinn. Sounds like Dan Quinn. George Payton, the GM of the Denver Broncos, has built a very good relationship, apparently, with Dan Quinn, and they've been interviewing people, positional coaches, and one of them was Gerard May, who was the linebacker's coach for the Patriots. And the reports were initially... One of them said that they were for head coaching spots, and they interviewed the quarterback's coach. I think it was the quarterback's coach for the Packers. From what it actually sounds like, they're going to be the coordinators for Dan Quinn. That's what it sounded like anyways. It looks like Dan Quinn's going back to being a head coach in the NFL. And Denver, they like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn helped transform the Dallas Cowboys defense from one of the worst defense in NFL history to to a pretty decent one. With the number one cornerback in the NFL getting 11 interceptions, so we allowed 1,000 yards. We don't look past that because he had 11 interceptions. But it looks like Dan Quinn might be the next head coach of the Broncos, even though we said Eric Bieniemy because of the connection with George Payton before and the fact he's from Colorado or played for Colorado. And it looks like Dan Quinn's going to be the head coach. And Rod Mayo and the Packers QB coach will be the, uh, off- the offensive and defensive coordinators there because of the relationship he's built with George Payton over the past couple days. Uh, then we got the Bears. Jim Harbaugh is the, the pipe dream here. I think Jim Harbaugh is a really solid candidate for the Bears. I mean, he played there. You could take Vic Fangio back there. It'd be perfect. But Pro Football Talk, now I, I don't really usually take Pro Football Talk that seriously because there's a lot of bunch of clickbaity titles and all that stuff. But Jim Harbaugh has indeed been talking to Stephen Ross, the owner of Miami Dolphins, but not about Coach Miami, but staying at Michigan with a raise. He wants it Michigan, he wants a raise at Michigan. And he just restructured his contract last year, but, you know, I mean, things have changed. You won the Big Ten Championship, you beat Ohio State for the first time in forever, and you made the college football playoff. Though so you got shit-stumped by Georgia, you made the college football playoff, so we'll look past the Georgia thing. But, I don't know if you'll leave. I don't know the situation. But let's just say, hypothetically, he doesn't end up going to Chicago. I think the Bears should hire Matt Eberflus, who is the Indianapolis Colts D coordinator, who has been one of the top coaching candidates that hasn't been hired over the past few seasons. And the thing that really makes this interesting, they're hi- they're talking to the Colts VP of player personnel to be the new GM. This could be a really like Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean type situation where Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both worked with the Panthers organization together and both went up north to Buffalo. I think this might be a similar thing where these two go up to Chicago. Matt Eberflitz is going to get a job this offseason. I... I would think he did I think I would think he would get one this offseason. I'd be kinda of surprised if he didn't. I mean he's consistently had one of the best defenses in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. I would get him in there. He can hire a good staff, smart guy, very respected guy around the league. I think he should get a job. And if he does, I think it should be with the Bears. And then we got the Minnesota Vikings. I still think Doug Peterson will probably be the guy there. I know they had the whole uh, kerfuffle, if you want to call that, between the Eagles fans and the Vikings fans, where the Vikings got shit stomped by the Eagles in the NFC Championship game a few years ago. But Doug Peterson, though we've talked about him pretty lowly at times on this show, basically just about his time in Philly and how he hadn't gotten fired at that point because his record was the same as Anthony Lynn's, apart from the Super Bowl year. But he's a good coach, from all accounts, good coach, offensive-minded coach, good with quarterbacks, would be able to keep this talent together and get the talent moving, and they could hire some good D quarters. Maybe he brings Fix Fangio. Maybe brings Fangio along with him. I don't know. But reinvigorate re- that defense. Get Doug Peterson in. And then for the Giants, I think they need a culture change. Get Jim Caldwell in there. I think that – a young coach would be fun. Young Same for the Vikings. A young coach like Kellen Moore would be fun. Eric bien would be fun. I think Eric bien is was just going to stay in Kansas City. And to, same thing with Josh McDaniels. I mean, the Giants were linked with Josh McDaniels and Eric bien the last time they hired head coaches and hired Joe Judge. Josh McDaniels, I think with the whole Colts thing, with him taking the Colts job and then like an hour later going – uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, go back to New England. I think that tells us all we need to know about how I think he's probably just waiting for Belichick to retire so he could take the Patriots job. I don't think you'd have a nice job like that and then hire a full staff and then go, yeah, I'm just going to go back to New England and be the offensive coordinator again. Screw all you guys. I mean, it's on brand for Josh McDaniels, but I think he's staying in New England for a little bit based off that. And Jim Caldwell, I think, is a nice offensive-minded coach. Older coach, so he'd be a nice stopgap. He wouldn't be something that'd be very long term, but he'd fix the situation in the Giants. That, that organization's a freaking mess right now. The Giants are a mess. They need someone in there that's experienced. I don't want to throw someone like Kellen Moore in there who's never had any head coaching experience before and just gets eaten alive by the New York media. That, that's not what they need right now. They need someone like Jim Caldwell there who's been through it, been a head coach in the NFL before, has a good relationship, a good rapport with quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, regardless if he's the guy or not, because now the GM that drafted him is gone. I don't know. Time will tell on the whole Daniel Jones situation, but I think Jim Caldwell for the rebuilding the culture there would be very big. I think Kellen Moore, I, I, I find it hard to believe the Cowboys would let both their coordinators go. I think Kellen Moore deserves a shot at the NFL for being a head coach in the NFL. I mean, you have the number one offense in the league. You have the number one offense in the NFL. I think the Vikings would be a very, very nice fit for Kellen Moore. I think We talked about this a little bit on Friday about him going to Chicago. At least I think I thought we'd be talking about this going to Chicago. Because of the fact that work with Justin Fields. He has a really good relationship with, Jack, with Dak Prescott. Very similar s skill sets with Dak Prescott and Justin Fields. Be very fun to see. But I think Eberflus has cut his teeth more in the NFL. I think he deserves a shot. Especially if they're going to hire the Colts per, VP of player personnel as the new GM. I think it's, it's going to happen. At least that's how I'm feeling right now. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But that's kind of how I'm feeling in regards to the coaching situation right now. So no real, I think Brian Leftwich is the only really young coach in there, but here are the head coaches again that we think could happen as we sit here on January 11th. The show will come out on January 12th, as you know. Houston, with Brian Flores available, I think it'd be very hard not to hire Brian Flores. Now, if Houston doesn't fire David Coley, Brian Flores is going to go up to New York. He's a Brooklyn kid. Go to the Giants. I think Brian Flores to the Giants would be a very fun match up there. Reshape the defense. Defense was the thing that I thought would be better this year, and their defense sucked. So... Get him up there, I think that'd be very fun to see. But if not, Houston makes a lot of sense with the relationship that he's worked with the Patriots or the the Texans guys before in New England. Sean Watson wanted to get traded to Miami because of Brian Flores. Maybe help remedy that relationship a little bit. And, yeah, I think that'd be a very good head coaching hire for them. Fix their defense up a little bit as well. Uh, Jacksonville, I think Byron left, which would be awesome. Young quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, offensive-minded head coach. Worked with Bruce Arians, one of the best offensive minds in NFL history. Has been in a similar situation to Trevor Lawrence before. He was with the Jaguars. High draft pick by the Jaguars. I think he'd be able to relate to him and get something rejuvenated on that offense. Uh, Miami, Brian Dable. Worked with Tua. Worked with the Dolphins organization before. I think it's bound to happen. That's the only one I'm like 99% confident on. Raiders, Rich Passaccia. First team in NFL history to make a coaching change midseason. Still make the playoffs. Got 10 wins this year. A ton of distractions off the field, but they managed to right the ship and made the playoffs. I think he deserves at least one year to be the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, Chicago, Matt Eberflus, defensive-minded head coach, one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL over the past few seasons. Uh, always has a good defense with the Indianapolis Colts. If they're hiring the Colts' VP of player personnel as a GM, makes sense to hire Matt Eberflus as well. Do a nice Bean McDermott situation there. Minnesota, Doug Peterson, quarterback coach, former quarterback, worked with some good people in the NFL in regards to coaching trees. Worked under Andy Reid for a little bit. Has won a Super Bowl, though it went turned sour in the end in, in Philadelphia. Doug Peterson's a good coach. I, I think he deserves another shot in the NFL, and he will, he'd will he be a good coach out there. I know Kellen Moore is the pipe dream, but Doug Peterson would be a very good hire by the Minnesota Vikings as well. And the New York Giants, Jim Caldwell, rebuild the culture up there. Offensive-minded head coach, seen it all, Help Daniel Jones redevelop, get the offense back on track. You can hire some good defensive and offensive-minded head coach with Jim Caldwell. He's, got a, he's a very well-respected coach around the NFL. And then Denver, I, can't, I think we kind of accidentally skipped them, but Dan Quinn. Uh, yeah. Hiring two people, it seems like, to be the off to of defensive coordinator. He's got a good relationship with George Payton. Rebuilt the Cowboys' defense. He'll probably be the next coach of the Denver Broncos. At least that's how it seems right now. I could be wrong. I could be wrong about all of these coaching hires, but I think that's how we're looking at right now. I think it'd be pretty cool. There's a lot more coaching openings than I thought. And we all know that the Texans, you know you hired David Coley just because of the fact you couldn't get anybody else. But now that Brian Flores is available, uh, I think you gotta make that move. I don't think you could sit on your hands and go, Oh yeah, let's uh let's stay with David Coley, but now we got a coach that has won in the NFL. And I I I felt bad for David Coley when he first took the job, because it was a there's <laughs> a death sentence to basically go there. And that's why no one else took it. He went from wide receiver coach across the NFL to head coach just like that one of the weirder head coaching hires in NFL history but I couldn't think of another weird situation than what the Houston Texans were last year Brian Flores would be a great great coach to hopefully fix all the situation that's going on or <laughs> whatever you want to call that situation down there in Houston Texas now with all the the head coaching situations the hopefully the Logan Blackman show rectified every single coaching situation around the NFL maybe maybe it did maybe I did maybe I made it worse maybe I made it a whole hell of a lot worse but who knows who really knows that's just speculation at this point but one other thing that happened on Monday and I could be completely blanking on something else that happened on Monday but the national championship happened college football national championship between Georgia and Alabama we said Alabama would win we went on here said Alabama would win twenty-seven to twenty or twenty-eight to twenty. I don't remember what the exact score was. Now that score and just if you just took away what teams scored what points was pretty close to being accurate. The final score ended up being thirty-three to eighteen. The fact of the matter was uh, it wasn't Alabama that won; it was Georgia. And this game, and we said this before, we were not going to see the same game than the same Georgia team that we saw. Back on December 4th. That was not happening. Alabama was not blitzing Georgia again for 41 points. That was never happening in a million years. Wasn't happening. I still thought Alabama would be able to take the crown. I was kind of surprised that Georgia was, uh, 58, had 58% chance to win, according to ESPN. I was kind of surprised that they opened up as the favorites, especially what happened last time these two teams met. But, yeah, the better team won. Georgia won the game. They played better. I mean, it was a tough, tough game. Like the score was six to nine hello well, at halftime. Like it was and it was all field goals. Like it was not an easy game at all. And the final score after the third quarter was thirteen to nine. Like there was nothing happening. And then Georgia exploded for twenty points in the fourth quarter with one massive, massive pick six by Keely Ringo. That was awesome. Awesome. And the the stupid part was we were at a friend's house and he was streaming it on the ESPN app and it cut out right before that play so we turned it back on and Georgia was in the end zone celebrating a pick six didn't even get a chance to see it we saw to see the stupid replay of the whole thing it was I was infuriated I want to see I I wasn't really again I'm not really too pained or hurt about which team won this game I have no connections to either school at all I just thought Alabama would win but I I was like man I would love to see that live that would have been a lot of fun. I would have been cheering. That would have been really cool. I have a few friends from William Penn that went to Georgia, or from Georgia, big-time Georgia Bulldogs fans. Like, I have no issues with Georgia winning this game. And I was really happy. What made me smile at the end of the game was Stetson Bennett. Now, Stetson Bennett is not the world's greatest quarterback. I think everybody knows that at this point in time. He's a very, relatively what you would call limited, or what some people would consider limited from the quarterback position, not very big. Not the strongest arm, not the fastest, but decently mobile. Stetson Bennett is a decently mobile quarterback. But I remember I said this on the show after the Arkansas game when Georgia slaughtered Arkansas. Stetson Bennett, <laughs> for all his faults, people are wanting JT Daniels so bad. Stetson Bennett, like with the broadcaster said, Stetson Bennett has a stronger arm and is more mobile than JT Daniels. That's not really saying a lot. I think my the door I'm staring at right now is more mobile than JT Daniels. But Hey, the next year quarterback battle or whatever, if JT Daniels goes in the transfer portal, I don't know what the hell's happening there. But it'll be hard to bench a dude that just won you a national championship. It'll be very hard, especially when the quarterback that's going to eventually hopefully replace him to some Georgia fans is already on the roster. It would make a little more sense if JT Daniels coming in from high school and he was a highly touted recruit and you knew that Stetson Bennett was fairly limited at the quarterback position, like what we saw with Clemson and Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence, where Kelly Bryant got Clemson to a national championship, they lost, but he's fairly limited at the quarterback spot. Trevor Lawrence eventually took over and, you know, won the national championship freshman year, and yada, yada, yada. Became first overall draft pick, and Kelly Bryant transferred to Zoo and never be heard of again. But J.D. Daniels is there. J.D. Daniels is not starting. J.D. Daniels, rightly or wrongly, got benched by Georgia after coming back from injury, and Stetson Bennett, the hometown kid, grew up a Georgia fan, walked on, became a national championship. And what made me really happy about this moment is the fact that every single time you heard about the national championship game, and I was kind of guilty of this as well on Monday, you heard about how Georgia, their quarterback position is scary. They don't have a quarterback. What we said Monday is that if this game gets into a shootout, they can't keep up because Bryce Young is better than Stetson Bennett. Now, Bryce Young, I don't think, played the worst game of his life, but he didn't have a very fantastic game. Didn't have the greatest Bryce Young performance. You look at just stats, I mean, 369 yards, that's all fine and dandy, but he threw two really bad interceptions. One of them, as we said, got returned for a touchdown. First one got thrown up into double coverage. I don't know what the hell he was even looking at on that one. But Georgia's D-line and their linebackers got through the Alabama O-line like a hot knife through butter. Like It was no issue whatsoever. But, man, I was, ha- I was, I was smiling. After the game, I was happy Stetson Bennett won. And now that they've won a national championship, we can say this is the greatest defense of all time in college football. We can say this is the greatest defense of all time. And there were people before the playoffs started, after Georgia lost to Alabama, that were actually saying Baylor deserved to be in the playoff or Notre Dame deserved to be in the playoff over Georgia. What the hell is that? Georgia, up until the loss to Alabama was seen as this unbeatable team. The team that would never get beat. Alabama stood no chance against the Georgia Bulldogs. No chance. And they threw threw it 41 on them. And then that all of a sudden, because we're so reactionary as a society, it went, oh, they stink. We need Baylor, who lost to TCU earlier this year, to go into the college football playoff because they won the Big 12 championship. We're going to have them jump up five or six spots to move up to number four. It just confused me. These were the two best teams all year. These were the number one and two teams throughout the season. I don't care that Bama lost to Texas A&M. Don't care. They are better than Michigan. And Georgia showed that when they played Michigan and creamed them. Like Michigan didn't stand a single flying flippin' chance against the Georgia Bulldogs. And yet people said that this team didn't deserve to be in. And one of my friends while we were watching the National Championship and it's funnier to look back at this in hindsight. Now, he said would would Ohio State be a better competition be better competition for Bama. This is not the time the score is 9 to 6 in favor of Alabama. I literally laughed. I was like what do you what what else are you wanting Georgia to do? Alabama's defense or Georgia geez, Ohio State's defense is not very good comparatively, which I guess a lot of defenses aren't that good compared to Georgia's defense, but Ohio State's defense is not even scratching, like, I don't know, Iowa's defense. Like, it's... Ohio State's defense is not very good. Compared to some of the bigger schools out there, if you're talking about weapons that you could throw to, yeah, sure, they can compete with them in regards to weapons on the outside with Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Alave, and Travion Henderson at running back, but defensively, Alabama would crush them. It would absolutely throttle Ohio State if they played them. I mean, it'd be kind of exciting... But no, this isn't the Ohio State team that had Ezekiel Elliott and beat Alabama in the national championship game. No, it's not the same one. Or beat them in the College Bowl playoff semifinals, not the not the championship game, because they beat Oregon in the championship game that year. But this was a fun game. This was a very, very fun game. I'm glad I watched it. I mean, I was going to watch it anyways, but this was fun. This This is one of the better national championships that I've watched in my lifetime. And it made it even, like hard to watch there were times that were hard especially when Jamison Williams goes down with an injury and you can see something pop in his left knee and you knew it was bad and the announcers are trying to play it off like oh it's he's walking he's fine he's walking uh sadly this is the scary part about torn ACLs is the fact that you can't walk on them perfectly fine afterwards you can't do a single lick of anything athletically but you can walk You can walk perfectly fine without crutches, and that's what Jamison Williams was doing. And that hurt to watch because I know how good Jamison Williams is, and I hope everybody out there that watched the game knew how good Jamison Williams is. And you have two wide receivers, top two guys, 2,000-yard receivers out with ACL injuries. Now, Jamison Williams, I think he'll leave. I mean, before the ACL injury, he was seen as the clear-cut number one wide receiver in the draft. Now it's a question of will he go in the top 15 because I mean he was guaranteed to do that before now it's a question will he do it I mean he expected to have a full recovery expected to regain his full 40 time I guess they said he should fully recover to get back to his 4-3 speed but that will scare some teams away I would imagine it would scare some teams away John Mechie on the other hand is a second round draft pick and I like John Mechie a lot John Mechie is one of the hardest working wide receivers in college football that's what I really like about it you can watch the game against Florida last year Mac Jones threw an interception, Freaking John Mechie laid the hammer on the Florida defender, causing a fumble, and Alabama and recovered it. Like, John Mechie is a baller. And that's what you get from Alabama and these wide receivers. Like, Jalen Waddell's the exact same way. Not the biggest wide receiver, but that dude will work his ass off. And it's been weird. Two straight years, Alabama has had the potential of having four first-round draft picks at wide receiver. Jalen Waddle broke his ankle. Jamison Williams towards ACL and John Mechie towards ACL. But John Mechie, we're talking about prior to the season starting. John Mechie, as the season went on and Jamison Williams passed him and how many other good wide receivers there have been kind of taught, slipped out to a certain extent of that first-round wide receiver area. He's still going to be mentioned up there. I mean, he'll probably be a high first-round draft pick if he declares because he hasn't, he hasn't officially declared yet. And we've talked about this before. I would, If I'm him, I might go, hell, I might want to come back to Alabama and try this all again. I might be the number one receiver in the draft. I mean, you got Addison from Pitt. Uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma will be mentioned up there as well. Is there anybody else in really... Jackson Smith and Jigbo will probably be the number one guy. But you could be that number one guy next year if you, you're the only guy at Bama. You get a chance to play with Bryce Young, who might be going for a second straight Heisman Trophy, become the second ever two-time Heisman Trophy winner, apart from Archie Griffin. I might come back. James Williams, I mean, his draft stock didn't really change that much. He went from a guaranteed top 15 pick to a possible, oh, he might go to 16 pick. That's the level we're working with right now. Will he be the first wide receiver off the board? I mean, I would hope he is because I think the talent's there, but he might not. He might not be the first wide receiver off the board, but who knows? Who really knows? But that was sad. I, I didn't like You could see it pop. You could see him instantly grab his knee right after it happened. You knew something was wrong. It was like, Shit. And again, I'm not an Alabama fan. I don't care if Alabama won, but I hate seeing great players get hurt like that. An ACL injury, it's still a massive injury, but it's not anything that it was back when, like, like, Gale Sayers had to retire because of an ACL injury. Like, Derrick Rose missed an entire year. We have gone, and that was 10 years ago, we have gone to the point now to where it's not an easy recovery, but he could still come back at the start of the season. Like, Tredavious White for the Buffalo Bills will probably be available for the Bills by the time the next season starts. Which is ridiculous to think about. Jameson Williams, it'll be close with how explosive he is. I mean, I don't don't know. We'll have to see. But this game was fun. This was a really, really fun game. James Cook broke off a massive run in the game. That was really cool to see. But George's defense just flashed. Like, all their great players. They have so many great players on this defense. Good Lord, it's kind of unfair. And the crazy part is, Keely Ringo is a freshman. He's not even one of the quote-unquote standout players yet. Like Channing Tyndall, Lewis Seen, uh, then he got Devontae Wyatt, you have Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean was all over the field. Darion Kendrick, Trayvon Walker. You got all these ballers on defense. Tyke Smith, like you have, you have players on players on players on players on this defense. And Alabama, like we said before the game, has players as well. Their secondary is not as strong as George's, but they still got some players. Christian Harris balled out yesterday he had four tackles for loss four of them by himself that is (laughs) is ridiculous he forced the fumble on Stetson Bennett earlier in the game as well Henry Toa Toa got a penalty for clapping which was kind of funny because Georgia does the clap count and he was trying to throw off the signals but Willie Anderson awesome player as well he'll be the number one or two draft pick next year he'd be the number one pick this year if he was out but man fun game. I'm happy. I'm happy for Georgia. I mean, they went from winning nothing over the past half century. It felt like to winning an MLS cup in 2018 to winning a world series. And then the national championship within 69 days of each other. That is perfect. That's absolutely perfect. And that caps off a very fun bowl season. So congratulations to Georgia though, on winning your first national championship since 1980. I think that's what they said. It's been a while, 1981, I think, 1980, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was cool. That was really cool. Kirby Smart became the second-ever assistant coach in Nick Saban's tenure to beat Nick Saban, and it happened to be in a national championship game. Georgia had never really seemingly been able to beat Alabama, and now they're beating them in a national championship game. It was beautiful. I hope Jamison Williams comes back and has a speedy recovery. I hope he's back to being the number one receiver in the draft because with that speed, that ability to play both special teams, offense, can play in the run game as well the deep threat ability at his size and speed it's it's special so that'll be it for this wednesday edition of the logan blackman show i do hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did not of course you can just yeah it would make me feel bad and all that stuff but i don't care and it hurt me i do hope you enjoyed it though make sure you're going to follow me on all forms of social media again and we will have the prospect rankings for you on friday sorry to push that back but i was starting to do it here <laughs> i had to cut it out because i'm tired i'm sorry that's really the only issue here everything's going to come out of my mouth at hundred miles an hour and it's just not sounding good. So I cut it off. So sorry, you didn't hear it. We'll have that for you on Friday. We'll have the full blog post out for you on Friday as well. Hope you enjoyed this episode though. We'll get to those of you later and I will see you all on Friday. Peace.